Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney. So let's get the show started talking about a little Boston Celtics. So the Celtics beat or closed out the Washington Wizards last night, 4-3. to And after playing an amazing series against the Wizards, now they are going to get decapitated by LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So in last night's game, you know, the Garden was rocking. It was another great game in that series. And who comes up big for the Celtics? Kelly Olenek, who kind of looks like a... He has the Amish beard going. He's got a man bun. He, uh, I guess he doesn't just scream NBA superstar, but I like it. He played well uh, down the stretch for the Celtics. And so, you know, I don't expect much out of the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I do want to say good for Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, Isaiah Thomas on making it that far. So if you think back to 2013, I believe was the year, when Danny Ainge blew up the team. He traded Paul Pierce, you know, who is one of the the franchise players of the last 15, 20 years, uh, Kevin Garnett and Jason Terry, to the Brooklyn Nets for future draft picks. And the Celtics had a pretty horrible stretch of basketball for a couple of seasons. And they have made their way back. They were the number one seed in the East. They are going to get home court advantage over the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so, you know, I guess this is kind of a trust the process that works with uh, Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics. So I am, like I said, I am very happy as a Celtics fan that they're able to do that. So going over to the other side, uh, the Western Conference, the Spurs blew a 25-point lead to lose game one. We did win the bet. Uh, the uh, Warriors were favored by 10 points in Game 1, and so I said, lay your money down on San Antonio. They're going to cover that. And I thought that they were going to win by 10 or more points, so completely reverse the spread. But Kawhi gets hurt. The Golden State Warriors have a huge third quarter comeback, third or second half comeback, I should say, and knock off the Spurs. And I think that's kind of a deflating loss for a team because if you win game one in Oracle, the series has a different tone to it. Uh, They don't, so now they're going to have to try to steal game two uh, on the road in Oracle before they head back to San Antonio. Now, I I do say never count out Greg Popovich, uh, even against, you know, one of these super teams, the Warriors. Pop. Pop can get his guys up, and uh, old Manu's still kicking around. Uh, I haven't heard anything today about Kawhi's status for Game 2, so hopefully he's healthy, and hopefully they're able to make a, make this into a good series. That's what I'm really rooting for more than anything out West. On to a little baseball talk. So uh, some uh, Lucas was really high on this team in our preseason preview. I wasn't, and I was wrong. The Houston Astros are absolutely killing all of baseball right now. Their hitting, their pitching is fantastic. Uh, Dallas Keuchel uh, got some numbers here. Keuchel in eight starts this year is six and zero with a one sixty nine ERA and a 087 WHIP. Uh, he is returning back to his Cy Young form, and that. I mean, the Astros, they're going to get down the stretch, and if they need anything, if they need pitching depth, 
whether it be a starter, whether they need bullpen help, they still have the farm system to do it. You know, they're they're solid in a lot of places. And I think, you know, I think the Astros could be this year's Chicago Cubs. And talking about the Cubs, uh, of course, I can't really talk too much about the Cubs without Lucas being here. Uh, Lucas has talked about Arietta not pitching well in a, in a contract year. I think that, uh, you know, for a guy who is wanting a couple hundred million dollars that he is not pitching like it, then, uh, you know, my thought may be, you know, the old World Series hangover. Uh, you know, you win your first championship. You've never dealt with success before. All that being said, before any Cubs fan listeners get into this, I do think the Cubs are going to get hot. I do think they're going to make a tremendous run and that they will be in the playoffs. How far they go, I don't I don't really know. I don't want to predict on that. But I do think the Cubs will get hot. You're not going to see them finish the season below 500. And uh, But the Cardinals hit, took advantage over the weekend, took two out of three from the Chicago Cubs. And my big takeaway from the weekend was Adam Wainwright finally had a good start. And he had a good start against the good team. And I know if Lucas were on the podcast with me today, he would say, oh, well, the Cubs aren't hitting well. But seeing Adam Wainwright throw seven innings and not giving up an earned run, I don't, I can't remember the last time that's happened. And, you know, I've said before the season started and even last year, he's going to have to reinvent himself. That's how you have success in your mid to late 30s coming off of an injury is you have to figure out what your new strengths are and pitch to them. And I think that Adam Wainwright was still throwing like uh, pre-Achilles injury, Adam Wainwright, and it wasn't working out well for him. So a couple more things I have on the Cardinals here. I think that you've got to keep Pham in the lineup. Pham and Jed Jerko have to stay in the starting lineup. Uh, You know, Piscotty's going to be coming back. Uh, I don't have an exact timetable on that, but when Piscotty does come back, I'm sure Mike Matheny is just licking his chops to get Fam back in Memphis, and he's he's hitting too well right now. I'm not going to say that he's going to be an all-star, an everyday starter, or anything like that. He's just playing good baseball right now, and I think you have to ride the hot hand regardless of what you know your predisposition was on him. And same with uh, Jerko and uh, Johnny Peralta. When Johnny gets back healthy, I don't think he needs to be the everyday starting third baseman. Uh, His defense is hitting. Um, I don't think he needs to be the everyday starting third baseman. I would (laughs) – you can come at this from a few different angles, but either way, Jed Durko has to be in that lineup hitting fourth the way that he's been hitting. And maybe Mosaliak has to do something with uh, the roster to kind of force Mike Matheny's hand as he had to do with the John Jay trade and as he's had to do before. But either way, I think that you need to ride the hot hands if you're the St. Louis Cardinals. So I wrote on Friday about the future of sports media following ESPN and Sports Illustrated layoffs. I encourage you, if you haven't already, to check that out. Uh, But basically, we found ourselves in a time with too many media options. Uh, Why? There's a low barrier to entry. With a laptop and Wi-Fi, things that everybody already has, you can have your own podcast and website. Now, you know, uh, I'm sure anybody who's been listening to this podcast for, you know, since the beginning, and thank you to those of you that have, uh, you know, it does cost money to make 
your podcast sound good because we definitely dealt with some audio issues. I dealt with a lot of audio issues in the beginning and had to work and kind of just tinker with things to get that worked out. But anyhow, the whole point there is it is a low barrier to entry into the sports media world. And uh, if you have a camera phone, you can host your own Periscope and Facebook live show. Who doesn't have a video camera available to them in this day and age? Uh, you can also put that on YouTube and your cost Things you probably already own. Wi-Fi, laptop, uh, iPad, iPhone. Things that most of you listening already have access to. So, not all startups will make it. Maybe not even the Fumbling Punter. But, guess what? The Fumbling Punter doesn't cost me uh, hundreds of million dollars of years to keep up like ESPN. Or the money that it costs to keep Sports Illustrated up and running because I don't have any overhead. So if enough, uh, I apologize for my little break. I was reading through notes. Uh, if enough of these startups do do make it, and you've seen Barstool grow, you've seen Outkick the Coverage grow with uh, Clay Travis, and if they start to you know siphon away some viewership from ESPN, and I'm not talking about live sports because they own the rights to that. I'm talking about opinion-based shows, and I think that's what people have an appetite for nowadays. And so if they start to siphon off viewers a couple of hundred or a few thousand at a time, that eventually you're going to start cutting into advertising money for ESPN. And like I said, ESPN has a lot of overhead. Now, here's another quick direction that I see sports media going. Uh, Live pregame shows, either from a home studio or tailgating on site like ESPN's College Game Day. And you can get these, again, for free via YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, and instead of paying $8 a month solely for ESPN. And that's not to mention your whole $130 a month uh, cable subscription. Now, granted, there are other things that you watch on cable, but my whole point here is ESPN as it is the most expensive revenue or the most expensive cable channel. If you want to read more on that, you can go to Clay Travis's website, uh, outkickthecoverage.com. He has written extensively on that. But ESPN has extreme overhead costs. They have mortgage, property tax, uh, security, camera crews, human resources, accounting, uh, executives, print costs, all things that these small startups don't have to worry about, especially in the beginning. The cost to do business in major media is too high. And eventually, I think the market will catch up and networks will pick up more live sports and ESPN will cease to exist because they won't have the revenue to cover those costs. Another thing that Clay Travis has written on extensively. But if you just so if you just think about this, this is basically a market where your opinion is what you're selling. Your opinion, your voice is what you're selling. And ESPN has chose to go a certain direction with how they cover things. Whether you like it or not, you know, it's not the ESPN of old. And there are so many good voices out there from self-startups that, and like I, like I had mentioned before, there's a low barrier to entry. So you have a pretty flooded market of sports opinion people, uh, me included, and so if you have all of these, you have all these options, so many of them are free to you, then ESPN's business model doesn't work. 
And again, I know the whole uh, argument for media rights, but that is its own beast in itself. I'm more talking about the opinion-based side. And so whenever you get into the nitty-gritty of it, I think that ESPN, Sports Illustrated, cost too much money in their outdated sites, uh, outdated mediums, I should say, whether it be ESPN the Magazine, Sports Illustrated, ESPN.com. Uh, I don't know if Sports Illustrated still does SNC or SICNN.com. So I want you guys to think about this from a talent standpoint. Uh, that is in the sense of uh, media personality. I want to use Scott Van Pelt as an example here. I know Scott just signed the big extension with ESPN here in the last two years, but he has such a great audience and a great following that I have no doubt that if he was to go out, if he were to go out on his own, or if he were able to team up with someone who already has started their own site blog, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, that his audience, his following would have such an audience that he would be able to monetize on so quickly. Scott, if you want to join the Fumbling Punter team, we would gladly have you, by the way. So uh, consider that an open invitation. But my point here is that you make so much more money in the sports media game if you go out on your own, if you have a big following like a guy like Scott Van Pelt, that in my opinion, he would he would be crazy to re-up with ESPN unless, and this is another part that I have not brought up as far as a own-your-own uh, business scenario, he doesn't have to worry about anything like advertising sales, uh, social media. He doesn't have to worry about anything. He goes to, he drives to work, he hops on SportsCenter, he does his two-hour show, one-hour show, uh, four nights a week, and he gets paid a handsome chunk of change. I'm sure ESPN covers all of his travel costs, etc. But if he were to want to get in, get his hands dirty, the money would be so much greater for him to go out and branch out on his own or, like I said, join somebody who already has an operation up that I don't know, it doesn't make sense for him to stay somewhere like ESPN where he would you know, not be able to reap the full rewards of his labor because he works for a subsidiary of a publicly traded company, and that is Disney and ESPN, uh, Disney being the parent company. But just something to think about, and I want to know what you guys think about this whole debate, this whole my vision of where I think that sports media is going. Again, uh, you know, the podcast, I didn't get into as much detail as I did on the website. So give that a give that a look. Give that a quick read. Fumblingpunter.com. Uh, again, uh, you know, I, I just want to hear your guys' opinions. I know a lot of you have that. I have been able to see the numbers on that. So let me know what you think. I would, uh, I'd love to hear from everyone. I always love hearing from listeners. So just let me know what you think. Uh, let us know. Give us a shout on Twitter. Give one of us a text, me or Lucas. Uh, Lucas isn't here today, but, you know, Lucas is always with us in spirit. <laughs> uh, 
but just let us let, let me know what you think we love hearing from everyone uh thank you guys for listening today everybody have a good work week hopefully we will have a good guest later on in the week so i will keep everyone updated on that whole situation and maybe give a little twitter announcement if everything uh pans out but have a good work week everyone we will be back later this week <laughs>